This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 27 of the Equestrian Legends Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Pessoa, Mildred Ferris. I am Glenn McGeek, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and our guest this week is barrel racing pioneer and a true legend in the women's rodeo, Mildred Ferris. But first, a word from Pessoa. The name Pessoa is legendary in equestrian circles. During his phenomenally successful career as a rider, Nelson Pessoa set his sights on creating the ultimate in saddle design. Not satisfied with the perfection of balance, aesthetics, and craftsmanship, Nelson's goal was to provide riders of every level the opportunity to train and compete in a true competition-level saddle, a saddle that would be an aid to their balance and riding style while offering comfortable fit for almost any horse. Most importantly, Nelson felt that the saddle was a tool that riders should not miss out on because of price. With these goals, the modern-day Pessoa was born, and it has come to encompass saddles, strap goods, horse boots, and blankets. That's right, Pessoa has some of the finest blankets on the market today. For example, their Pessoa Tundra 2100 Denier Turnout Blanket is their toughest Pessoa blanket yet. This top-of-the-line, waterproof, breathable turnout blanket features a 2100 denier Teflon-coated ballistic weave ripstop outer shell. It has 300 grams of insulation with a 3M moisture-wicking quick-drying lining. The patented closure system allows you to adjust the front closures just once and thereafter snap the blanket closed. Easy bend, elastic comfort neck gusset reduces shoulder rubbing and allows free neck and head movement. The removable double hook tail loop cover, adjustable leg straps, hidden elastic surcingle, action gullets, rust-proof hardware, and D-ring for optional neck rug attachment make this one of the finest, most technologically advanced blankets on the market today. Plus a three-year warranty that covers fabric tearing because Pessoa backs the products that it sells. To learn more about Pessoa, Tundra 2100, and all of the other fine products at Pessoa, ask your local retailer or visit them online at PessoaUSA.com. Mildred Ferris was born in 1933 on a ranch in Texas and spent her childhood around horses. You will hear how that love of horses turned into a passion for rodeo. Mildred is an esteemed leader throughout the sport of rodeo. As a competitor, Ferris was Texas Barrel Racing's Association's champion barrel racer from 1955 to 1957. She earned a qualification 12 times to the National Finals Rodeo, was the runner-up to the world champion in 1959, 1960, 69, and in 1968, she earned the fastest time at the National Finals Rodeo. Active involvement in the Girls' Rodeo Association, the predecessor to the Women's Professional Rodeo Association, meant that for six years, Ferris served as director, vice president, and president. The year 1955 marked her graduation from Sol Ross University and the year of her marriage to John Ferris. 
1958, she joined the Girls' Rodeo Association, and since 1960, Ferris has served as rodeo secretary for many top producers, including Tommy Steiner, Harper and Morgan, Neil Gay, Jerry Nelson, and the Fort Worth Stock Show, among many others. Her dedication and contribution to the sport of rodeo as secretary is noteworthy. She was named Secretary of the Year eight times by the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association and received the same title in 1998 and 2008 by the WPRA. Additionally, Ferris has been inducted into three Halls of Fames. In 1994, the Sol Ross Rodeo Hall of Fame. In 2004, the Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame. And in 2006, the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. And more recently in 2012, Mildred was one of the inductees into the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame. And we want to thank the National Cowgirl Hall of Fame for helping put this interview together. And now the Horse Radio Network is proud to introduce equestrian legend Mildred Ferris. Well, hi, Mildred, and welcome to the Equestrian Legends show. And congratulations for, for, for being nominated as an equestrian legend from all the, the, the horse world. Thank you. Well, we, you know, I've been spending some time doing some research, and I've learned so much about the the Western side of the world that I didn't know before, and, and so much about barrel racing. And I'm so excited to hear about your life and, and how you were so instrumental in, in bringing barrel racing and, and the rodeo, really, to, to women and making it mainstream. Tell us a little bit, before we get into all of that, about your childhood, where you were born, and, and, and a little bit about your family and growing up. Well, I was born in Andrews, Texas. <clears throat> uh, was, uh, well, actually, I was uh, born in, in the house that we lived in. I think my dad's one that delivered us. I was, I'm a twin. I have a twin brother, and he's the one that delivered us. He came about 10 minutes before I did. <laughs> and, uh, and the twin brother and then a younger brother, younger sister. And we were raised on a ranch in Andrews County. And now, when you were growing up, were horses a, a big part of your life on the ranch? Well, I've ridden all my life. We, You know, I had my daddy on the uh, ranch all the time. And, and uh, I've, I've ridden, you know, all my life, I guess. So were you were you doing ranch work initially on horses? Do you remember you know Do you remember riding as, as a little kid and and were you just riding for fun or were you helping out? I don't know. We didn't ride for fun. We, <laughs> we rode for work. We have to you know round up the cattle and and uh, we'd have to you know ride through them and make sure they was all all right and after. You know, Brandon, or when a new calf was born, way back then, we had a lot of screw worms. And we had to, you know, ride through them to make sure that uh, we found the ones that had the screw worms so we could doctor them. So uh, our riding was, you know, was work. We never really just rode for fun. Of course, it was fun to ride, but... Uh, most of our writing was, was for work. And this was back, uh, you know, in the 1930s. You were born in the early 30s. So that was at the time of the Depression at, at that point. And then we came into World War II after that. What are your memories of, 
uh, you know, you're pretty young during the Depression. What are your memories of, of that time and World War II and what that was like where you grew up? Well, <clears throat> I remember in the uh, 50s when I was, uh, you know, a little older that we had a real dry season and uh, we uh, had to do an awful lot of feeding and we'd move the cattle kind of from one pasture to another. So we stayed real busy just, you know, trying to take care of the cattle and kept them fed and watered and and just looking after them. Now, uh, I assume the whole family was involved in in the ranch work. Were were all your siblings, uh, did they all keep riding horses, or did some of them eventually give that up as they moved out? No one that just kept on riding of the sisters. My uh, twin brother still uh, has a ranch, and he, you know, has raped off his life. And my uh, younger brother, he's a CPA, and my younger sister uh, taught school and was a uh, great school principal. And uh, two of my older sisters. Uh, taught school, and one of my sisters was just a housewife. And now you were, you know, you were growing up and going to school and going to, you know, uh, junior high and then and high school and eventually to college. Did you, did you want to uh, end up being in the horse world, or did you have other plans at that point? Well, no, I uh, always kind of wanted to be in the horse world, and, and uh, you know, uh, of course, barrel racing is what interested me. And uh, so uh, when I was in high school, uh, I barrel raced some, but uh, it wasn't until I got in college that uh, I got a you know a good horse, and uh, then I really uh, you know started rodeo really more in college. Then after I got married, that's what we did was rodeo. Now, back then, uh, for, you know, for those that aren't familiar with barrel racing and the history of it, it was a much different world than it is today, wasn't it? Oh, yes. Uh, it was uh, a group of girls from West Texas uh, started in, I think, in uh, 45, 1945, and uh, they... Uh, uh, really are the ones that got it started and and uh and they had some all girl rodeos too where they, you know, uh roped and rode bulls and rode bareback horses. But uh barrel race uh, has always been, you know, the main event for the for the girls. Now, so you weren't so back then, um, and, and you're right. From my research, it shows in, in the middle '40s. There, back then, it was not part of the men's rodeo. It was a separate thing. Uh, well, yes, it started out just, just the girls, but then they uh, uh, finally started letting, letting the girls just you know run barrels at the uh, men's rodeos, which was. Back when it started with the RCA, which is Royal Cowboys Association, and uh, it has uh, gradually grown into a bigger association where 
uh, nearly all of the PRCA, the Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association, has uh, barrel races and all of the, uh, you know, they have a lot of we call amateur associations, and they nearly all have barrel races. Nearly all rodeos have a barrel race anymore. And, of course, the money's a little bit better today than it was back then, isn't it? <laughs> oh, much, much better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, you do you remember your first uh, barrel racing horse? Oh, yes. What was, what, what, tell me about that horse. Well, uh, actually... He's kind of a bronc, and uh, we saw him, somebody was roping on him, and uh, he was a good roping horse, except that he was, uh, you know, you're supposed to get back on your horse after you rope and tie your calf, and uh, they always had trouble getting back on him, and uh, <laughs> uh, Daddy saw him, and he, he you know, I was looking for a barrel horse, and he said, I've found a horse for you, but I don't know, you know, uh, if you can ride him or not. I said, uh, well, let's try him. So I, I tried him, and uh, we, uh, he went ahead and, and bought him for me. And uh, the first barrel race I went to, I, I won the barrel race on him. I rode him for a long time. I got him in the... Uh, well, I had him in college, and I graduated from college in 1955, and I had him, well, I quit riding in the uh, late 60s. He, uh, he, what was the horse's name, by the way? His name was Lucky. Lucky, and he, Lucky helped you win a few rodeos along the way, didn't he? And he helped you win a few rodeos along the way. Oh yeah, a bunch of them. What did you? What was your degree in when you graduated? You went to Saul Ross State University. Where was that? In Alpine, Texas. Okay. Down in the Big Bend. And physical education was not what I majored in. So was the thought that if the uh, horse thing, if the competition thing didn't work out, you were you were going to become a teacher like your siblings? I guess I guess so. <laughs> well, it you didn't have that problem. As, as I as I see, you didn't uh, have to go back to teaching at any point. No. Well, I graduated in nineteen fifty five, and uh, we got married in nineteen fifty five, and uh, John was already rodeoing and. Uh, so that's what we've done all of our married life is rodeo. Because we both competed, but after we uh, quit competing, then we, well, we were already working uh, I was working as a rodeo secretary and timer, and uh, John's uh, working as, you know, sheep boss and just whatever needs to be done around the rodeo. And how did you meet John? At a rodeo. Was it love at first sight, uh
Was it love at first sight, Mildred, or or did, did how the, how did, did do you remember when you first saw him and how he asked you out? Or well, actually, I had a date with one of his uh, best friends, and then I don't know. We just we saw saw each other at rodeos, and you know they usually had a dance or something after the rodeo, and he asked me to go to the dance with him. So basically, he stole you away from his best friend, is what I'm hearing. So that was back in nineteen in, in nineteen mid nineteen fifties and, and you really started into barrel racing. What is what is so it was the Texas Barrel Racing Association at that point, wasn't it? Uh, well I I joined the Texas Barrel Racing Association uh, that year and uh I won the uh Texas Barrel Racing Association Championship in 1955, 56, and 57. And then in 1958, I, I joined two sons and uh, but uh, I didn't of course uh, I had both sons before well I had one son before I joined the uh, uh, the Girls Rodeo Association and then the first year that I joined the Girls Rodeo Association my first rodeo was San Antonio, Texas and I won it and I made I think five rodeos that year before I had to quit riding, and uh, I was still in the top ten in the world. Because we didn't have the finals at that time, so I didn't uh, miss out on one of the finals. When did when did the national finals rodeo? Was that in in existence back then, or did that come in later? It started in. Uh, uh, 19, uh, uh, so it was right at the time when you were really heavily competing and, and doing very well at that point with Lucky. Yes, that's right. And where where was the national? And I'm reason I'm asking about the nationals final rodeos. We're going to be talking a lot more about that as as uh, as we continue here. Where did that begin? Where where was the first national finals rodeo? Well, the first one for the professional. Royal Cowboys Association was uh, held in Dallas, and it was there for three years, and then it moved to uh, Los Angeles for three, and then it moved to Oklahoma City. And But the girls didn't, uh, uh, you know, ride at their uh, national finals, and uh, we had our first one in Clayton, New Mexico. We had one in Dallas and one in Fort Worth. And when it moved to Oklahoma City, it was there for uh, two years, and then they uh, included the girls with the PRCA. And uh, uh, the barrel race has been with the Professional Royal Cowboys Association finals ever since. 
Now, has barrel racing changed much since since those days? Is it is it uh, you know ha- has the way the competition is held changed a lot since those days? Well, uh, you know, we still run run the same pattern around the cloverleaf uh, barrels, but uh, back then there weren't near as many girls, you know, competing, and uh, then uh, it took, there's so many, you know, good horses nowadays. <clears throat> there, we had good horses back then, but not as many as there are now, you know. They're just... Back uh, when I first started, you could kind of go to a rodeo and there'd be, you know, four or five girls there and you'd say, well, they're going to, you know, win and sure enough they would. Now you can go to a rodeo and there'll be girls there that you've never even heard of that will win and they're, they're all mounted very well. And what about crowds back then? Was it a, was it a big spectator sport like it is now, or was that a was that slow to start? Or um, well, they've always had good crowds, but you know they didn't have to have as many people at the rodeos back then to be able to make a go of it. Where now it, it's everything so expensive that uh, you know if the crowds are down. Uh, they don't make much money, so everything's changed. And she, he, uh, what am I saying? Uh, the crowds are, most places are real good. Sometimes, uh, you know, they're not, but as a whole, they're real good. And I know you and John were, were traveling a lot back then and back in, in the 50s. He was he competed in bareback riding and saddle bronc and bull riding and, and, and on and on through the rodeos as well. So you you, uh, you were traveling together. I assume that, that, you know, things were probably tough at times financially being on the road like that all the time for you guys as well early in your marriage. We, uh, we usually always, you know, made enough to keep going and, like a, like a living made it, but of course expenses weren't near as uh, great back then as it was, uh, as it is now, so even though we didn't make as much money, we didn't have to spend so much either. Right, right. The cost of living was a little bit less back then. Um so you continued then uh, competing, you and John both, uh, competing into the 60s. In, in what, what, how did that progress through, through the 60s then? Well, I, uh, I got another horse. His name was King. And uh, he was also a good horse. And uh, in fact, uh, I was runner-up to the World Championship in the, WPRA on Lucky twice and on King once, so, uh, you know, I had two good horses. You've uh, qualified 12 times to the National Finals Rodeo, and you were uh, runner-up to world champion of 59, 60, and 69, and then in 1968 earned the fastest time at the NFR. Yes. So you were having some good years in there. Oh, yeah, I had some real good years. Sure did. Now, this is also a time when your kids were pretty little. Were, were they traveling with you at this point? In the summertime, they traveled with us, and 
then when school started, they stayed with their grandparents. Was that hard? Well, it was, but, you know, I knew they'd been taken care of, so, you know, and that was our job, so it was just something that we had to to work out. And then if rodeos were close around, you know, uh, they would sometimes, you know, get to come and be with us over the weekend or something, so... Did either of your sons take up riding? Uh, well, one of them rode for a while, uh, and but then he, uh, he didn't last long, and, and, and the youngest one uh, rode, and he hurt his knee and had to have surgery, and he, he just quit, and neither one of them rode yo anymore. That, that's what's so amazing, too, about uh, your careers, uh, you and John, is that is what, you know, obviously injuries are, are a big part of anything we do in the horse world and can affect our careers for, for you know, that our, can shorten careers. Um, but, you know, you guys, you guys seem to get through all those years, and I'm sure there were some injuries along the way. Well, he had some injuries, but, you know, nothing major, like, you know, like a broken ankle or something like that but uh, you know it wasn't he never did got get really serious injuries at what point then did you did you start to decrease the amount of competing and and then really go into a second phase here where you were starting to work with the rodeos and became a secretary and and different things over time at what point did that happen I was already working with the secretary before I quit riding, but I quit, uh, you know, barrel racing in about 1971. And uh, John had quit riding, but he was, you know, uh, roping some still. So, and then we just gradually got out of it and just, you know, worked the rodeos, like the secretary and timer and, and Before we get into your secretary years, I do have a question. When you were traveling, what do you remember as being, what do you remember as, as the, as the highlight of really being on the road like that? And, and what do you remember as, as kind of the struggles of being on the road? What were the struggles of that? And that was before living quarters and campers too. Was it? Wh- 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 where would you stay at shows? Well, we'd have to get a motel room, and sometimes uh, that wasn't easy. Um, sometimes we'd have to kind of, you know, double up with uh, other couples that was going, and, and uh, sometimes the motels weren't all that nice. But, <laughs> uh, you know, you just do the best you can and, and go on. There's some rodeo competitors today that would would say the same thing. Uh, <laughs> so, um, <Yeah. laughs> I don't think that's changed through the years. 
And then, you know, what are the what are the real highlights for you? What are the things that stand out in those in those times when you were competing on the road that that was the thing that you just couldn't wait to do? Let's go into your your secretary years now that you've got you know you're you're starting to wind down on your competition. You start you, you were a secretary for a while. What does a secretary do for those of, for those that don't know? What does a secretary do at a rodeo? What what what's that involve? Well, of course, when I first started secretary, the secretary had to take the entries by phone herself, and we had to uh, draw all the positions for the contestants and uh, draw the stock for them. And uh, we'd have to do that as soon as the entries closed, and then they would uh, call back to see when they were, you know, up, what night they were to compete in. And uh, then we, uh, I, you know, we keep records of, you know, everything that uh, times and time to dance and uh, the scores in the, Writing events and take the entry fees and do the paying off, and we'd have to uh, uh, get our results and everything together and send into the PRCA, Professional Rodeo Cowboys Association. And uh, but uh, nowadays we have the uh, computer and we have what we call ProCom, and the contestants uh, call. Uh, that office to make their entries and they do all the drawing and uh, we get our information on the computer but we still have to uh, you know take your fees and do paying off and and it's a it's an important job for the rodeo and uh, kids today are spoiled because they can just look on the internet. They don't have to keep calling the various places they go. They can they can check on the internet what their draws are. So it uh, it's changed a lot since you've seen it change full full circle. Yes, I have. Yeah, we uh, you know uh, send all this information into the uh, rodeo association and. And they put it on the internet, so they don't really have to call us back to uh, find out if they've won, or, or uh, you know, they they call Procom to find out when they're up and and all that. So that that's really helped us a bunch. But you know, we still have uh, to uh, keep up with all the times and scores and the payoffs and and. Uh, you know, all that, and there's so many more contestants than there used to be, and uh, a lot of places we have flack that last uh, anywhere from two hours to maybe six or seven hours, so uh, there's still an awful lot to do. 
And then uh, along the way, too, from 65 to 71, you were involved with the WPRA, or the, uh, the Women's Professional Rodeo Association, in various roles uh, uh, during that time. And that was at a time when, when it was switching from the Girls' Rodeo Association to the WPRA, and it was a really a growth time. You were there, at, you know, when, when it was starting to grow and, and get, really get serious at that point. Well, I was uh, first, uh, I was a director in the uh, uh, Girls' Rodeo Association, and then I, then I was uh, vice president and then uh, president. And uh, during all that uh, time that I was uh, in there, well, we uh, used to, if you hit a barrel, it was, uh, you just had no time. And uh, so uh, this, this happened when I was president, and uh, someone came up with the idea of having an electric eye. And uh, so uh, we started using that, but we also, uh, on the five-second uh, uh, penalty, we passed a rule that if you hit a barrel, it would be a five-second penalty instead of uh, just a no time. And that has helped a lot, especially... Uh, back then, we had some rodeos where you, uh, well, I know we went to Chicago and we had 10 runs. And if you hit a barrel, you were just out of the average, you know, didn't win anything there. But uh, like at the finals now, it's 10 performances. And uh, if you hit a barrel, you get five seconds put on your time. And uh, by the time the 10 runs are over, uh, there are girls that uh, hit a barrel or maybe even two barrels and still place an average. So it doesn't, uh, by having that rule, it doesn't take you completely out. Do you remember what it was like to go to your first national finals rodeo? Uh, the first uh, one I went to was uh, in Oklahoma City, and uh, uh, we were treated very well. The, uh, it went over. Race went over, you know, very well. Now, you've been nominated uh, Secretary of the Year many, many times and have been working in the rodeo industry for, for really, since 1955 uh, in one capacity or another. What have you seen change with rodeo over that period of time? What, what, what are the things that really stand out for you? Well, uh, the payoff is uh, one of the main things, and uh, uh, you know, there's a, well, we have sponsors, and uh, they have tremendously, uh, and uh, it's just uh, so many more contestants. And the popularity have, and, and the audience is much, much bigger? Uh, oh, yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, they see it on uh, television some, and... Uh, they just know more about what's going on, and uh, uh, you know they uh, see the names and they get familiar with the names. It's like you know they're doing football or any other sports, you know. And uh, but uh, the uh, national finals uh, rodeo 
has been a, after the first two or three years in Oklahoma City, it was a sellout. And since it's been in Vegas, it's been a sellout every year. So it's a... And you were involved with that th- uh, for a long time, weren't you, in the National Finals Rodeo? Yes. Uh, after it went to uh, Oklahoma City, uh, Ken McSpadden was the general uh, manager, and uh, he uh, wanted someone to carry the American flag, so he asked me to, and I wore white clothes uh, every performance. And uh, he would uh, talk about the flag and uh, the background music was Old Glory. And as he talked, and and I carried the flag around the arena, you know, and the Old Glory song playing, uh, it was it brought a lot of uh, tears to people's eyes because it was, you know, really something, and uh, it was just. Uh, you know, came from the heart. Everybody loved it. And then you continued to do that for a long time. Uh, yes. Well, I carried a flag at, uh, you know, nearly all the rodeos where I went to. So that's something I've done a long, long time. Do you still ride today? Uh, no. I haven't ridden in quite a while now. Do you still have horses uh, in the yard? Well, no. Uh, we, uh, we did have up until a couple of years ago, and, and unfortunately, the last one we had, you know, passed away, and we never could get another one. Sometimes I kind of miss riding, but then on the other hand, uh, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard all my life until I've quit, and... I guess you say, when I hung up my rope, I hung up my rope for good. <laughs> when you, do you have, uh, we always talk about in the horse world, we talk about our lifetime horse, the one horse that we had that we really think was was the horse of our lifetime. Do you have that horse? Uh, when I was at home uh, riding on the ranch, I had a horse, uh, a black horse, and I loved that horse. And a lot of people couldn't get along with him, but uh, uh, he was my favorite ranch horse. And then, of course, after uh, I got lucky, he was uh, a good horse, but he was he was kind of bronky. Not anybody, you couldn't put a kid on him. And uh, he was pretty high-strung, and so not just everybody could, could ride him. I mean, as far as just getting on and just to ride, you know, for pleasure. And then when I got King, he was a pleasure to ride. He was like riding in a rocking chair. He was so smooth. And But uh, they were both good horses, but they were, had different uh, attitudes, that's for sure. Now, you have been inducted into, as best I can tell, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, three Hall of Fames, and the, starting in, in, uh, in the 2000s, and, and you and John uh, have been inducted into Hall of Fames together as well. Uh, you know, that's quite an accomplishment. In 1994, 
I was inducted into the Sir Ross Hall of Fame. That was, you know, college. And then... Uh, I know in 2004, you were both inducted into Texas Rodeo Cowboy Hall of Fame, right? And also in the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame in 2006, John and I. And weren't you the first couple to ever be inducted like that? We were the first couple to ever be inducted. That's quite an accomplishment, too. And I mean, you've been married for a long time, over 50 years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and then we were, in 2010, we were inducted in the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum in Oklahoma City. And then in 2012, you were inducted into the National Cowgirl Museum Hall of Fame, and you carried the flag that year, too, at the NFR, didn't you? Well, uh... For them. I carried the flag at the... In, well, I haven't been inducted yet. I'm going to be into the, in the... Uh, oh, that's right. You're an inductee at this point, yes. In October. Yes. And But I carried the uh, flag... Uh, in, I think it was in 97 at the National Finals Rodeo in uh, uh, Las Vegas for the uh, representing the Cowgirl Hall of Fame. Gotcha. And what, what you know, if you're looking back and, and if you were to give advice to, to girls coming up today, um, what would you tell them? Would you tell them to, you know, would you tell them that this is something they should really pursue if, if they want to make the horse world a career, this is something that they should do? Should they go to college? You know, if they're debating, should I go to college or should I, you know, should I go on the road? What would you tell them? Well, you know, that kind of depends on if you happen to have a good horse at a certain time, that's when you want to pursue it. You know, and of course a lot of some girls are lucky enough to not have just one good horse, and you know that they can continue. But uh, I don't, you know, they have the college rodeos now, so I think it's a good idea to, you know, go to college and you can rodeo from your college, and then uh, still have plenty of time to, you know, turn professional if that's what you want to do. But, uh, you know, sometimes if you have a good horse, you have to go when your horse is, uh, you know, is at his best. Unless you're lucky enough. Some the girls nowadays uh, usually have more than one horse. And back when I was going, we were lucky to have one good horse. So, uh, but if they want to... Uh, uh, pursue a career in uh, barrel racing, uh, it's a year-round uh, job. You have to work at it, just like any other job, you know. Did you now I have a couple questions that we ask uh, at the at the end of interviews with our equestrian legends, and uh, a couple of them don't have anything to do with horses. Actually, did you have any passions or hobbies or things that were not horse related over the years? No, not really. No. I've always just, you know, uh, you worked on the ranch or when we started rodeo, we were just rodeoing, and uh, we've always been involved, you know, with the horses or, you know, something like that. And never really had time because we were gone most of the time, so I didn't have time to uh, uh, do a whole lot of other things. Now, I, I did... Uh, 
uh, I could sew, so uh, I made a lot of there when we worked for uh, Tommy Steiner in the 60s. Uh, I made uh, a lot of our costumes, and uh, so I guess that was one of my hobbies, you know, was to sew, but I don't even sew anymore. What would you say you're most proud of uh, uh, with your career? Just that we had, a, a, you know, a good uh, good job, and uh, we were able to go every place together and work together. And then when we got, uh, you know, in the uh, halls of things, uh, we were put in there together, you know, so it's just been, you know, a family uh, deal all the time, and uh, occasionally we would go someplace, you know, by ourselves or, you know, with someone else, but most of the time we were always, uh, you know, working together. Now, not a lot of couples can do that, you realize. That's not something every couple can do successfully. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> what did, that way you led me into my next question. What What's the secret to, to being married for 52 years? 57 years now. Oh, 57, okay. But uh, when you have to work at it, and you have to, you know, uh, you have to like what you're doing, you know, and, and I think, you know, I know some couples probably couldn't work together, but before we got married, that's what we both did, and that's what we both wanted to do. So, you know, it's uh, we've had some, you know, hard times, but we always managed through and and uh, had to work at it, and you know. Well, two more quick questions for you about you. What kind of music do you like? Uh, old country western mostly. Yeah, and how about books? Do you read? Uh, what what types of books? Well. I don't read a lot. I like to read, but I like to read the uh, Western magazines and, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. And kind of getting into reading a little bit more because I'm home more. But. Well, we certainly appreciate you joining us today. What an interesting and and uh, fruitful life you've had and obviously, uh, uh, you know, a, a real forerunner in in for women in rodeo and really did help lead the way there um you know there are i think that every woman in rodeo today can can thank you for for being a pioneer in that world well we tried to make it better as we went along you know because back then we were the ones that kind of got it all to going and and uh, so we wanted to try to make it as good as we could for, you know, the ones that's coming up behind us. And we still do. We, you know, still want it to be better. And I think it will be, you know. But everybody has to work at it. And that's the whole thing, you know. Everybody has to work and work together. <laughs> 